In progress. Okay. <clears throat> um, hold on one second. First of all, today's learning is Zechen Ishmas Shlom Ben Yehuda Hakoyin and Moshe Ben Nachman Alevi and Zechen Ishmas Yagon Shagon Fei Balevi Salevi Vashmul Tzvi Chanu Pesach Hizbim Shur Rabban Ben Rabbar. So we're up to Chavtes <clears throat> Amid Beis, the bottom line. So the Gemara says like this: Amr of Chizda. The Gemara described the last thing it said is that a person should get married earlier. That way he doesn't have uh, hirhurim rhyme. So the Gemara says Amr of Chizda. Rav Chizda says The reason why I'm a greater Talmud Chacham than my friends is dinasiva b'shetzar because I got married at 16 and they all got married at 18. So because I got married before them, I didn't have hirhurim rhyme and therefore I had a clear mind. barbesar. And had I got married at 14. And have a min satan gira be'enach. I could have said to the satan, uh, "I'll throw arrows in your eyes," meaning like I would have no fear of the satan b'chlal had I got married at fourteen. Okay, different times. Right Okay. Now, the Gemara says like this: the Gemara is talking about the proper time to be mechanech. Now, this is not that time of the obligation to be mechanech, because the obligation mechanech stops. Ah, uh, you know. Once the kid's 13, I mean, that's already, you know, he already is uh, an adult in, in many ways. But the Gemara says, Amalei Ravala Rav Nosen Bar Ami. We're two lines into Lamed Amad Aleph. So Rav, uh, Rav Rava says to Rav Nosen Bar Ami, Ad Yodech al Savari Debereich, while your hand is still controlling your son, meaning while your son still has, uh, while he still listens to you, so to speak, then... You should be mechanechim. What are the ages? Meaning, what are the ages where you could really be mashpian a kid? Now, obviously, very young, but very young, the difference is you, you can't be very strong. And also, they're so young, a lot of the stuff they're not going to remember. What are the ages that you should really try to, like, you could really, you know, affect the way he thinks? So the Gemara says, Meshetzar ad esem v'tarita, from 16 to 22. See, below 16, a lot of times they're not mature enough to really understand you. And above 22, they're already adults. They don't want to hear it. So from 16 to 22, that's the ages where you could really be much beyond your child. And some say from 18 to 24. So from 16 to 22 or from 18 to 24. Ketanoi, as the, really, it's a machoikas tanoim. The Pasuk says, What is the age of a nar where you be mechanech? Rabbi Yehudah, Rabbi Nechemya. Chadam ha-meshedzar v'ad-esem v'tartin. One says from 16 to 22. And some says from 18 to 24. So it's mamish. These two opinions about what is the proper age of be mechanech child. Okay, now the question is, how, how far am I obligated to teach my son Torah? Now, now, by the way, I, I, I can't go into it because we don't have time, but it's Negea, it's Negea, are you obligated to send your son to yeshiva? Because what are you obligated to mechanech your son? The truth is, Ramayusha Feinstein has a different mahalach. He, he says that even though the Gemara's conclusion is going to be that you're only obligated to teach your son Chumash, and not past that, Ramayusha says, in America, because you're obligated from a governmental perspective, to, to teach your child education until the age, I think, of 16, right? You can't just, you at least have to homeschool. You can't just not educate them. So Ramayusha says, then the chiv of chinuch goes longer. The, the reason why that's negay is because um, once you're not obligated to be mechanech your son, uh, then supporting them in yeshiva would be like tzedakah that you could use my money for, right? If you have a kid who, who just got married who's learning in Israel, 
you're not obligated to, to support your 19, 20, 23 year old kid for Shirin Lakuli Amal days. So it could be used for Meiser, and he's a nanny, right? He's, he has no money. So the, the question is could I say a seven year old kid say, listen, I'm, I'm only obligated to teach him Chumash. So I, I, above that, I don't have, I could send, use Meiser to pay for tuition. Pa- Ramesha says no. Ramesha says that in America, because there's an obligation, first of all, of Libin Atari, but even past that, you, you can't just stop teaching your child at seven years old if you're legally you're obligated to teach them, so you're legally obligated to say it ups to 16. But again, that's, that's, that's from Meshashi to Besafra. The point is like this. The Gemara says, what are you, to what extent are you obligated to teach your son Torah? Am Rav Yehuda Meshmuel, we're uh, 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 the two dots by Lamed Amal. Am Rav Yehuda Meshmuel, Kigoyin Zvul and Bendon. The examples like Zvul and Don, Bendon, who was that? Shalimdu Avi Aviv Mikro Mishnah Talmud Halachas Vagodes. Zvul and Bendon was a kid whose grandfather taught him Chumash, uh, Mishnah, Halacha, Gemara, Midrashim. So you see, obligated to teach your child everything. So the Gemara says, is that true? Meisvei, is that true? Limdu Mikra. The Brisa says that once you teach your child Torah, Ein Malam de Mishnah, you're not obligated to teach him Mishnayis. Meaning you're yoyt to the mitzvah of Yilmatim as Beneichem with Chumash. So why do I have to teach him uh, Mishnah, Talmud, Halacha, Sagadus? Mikra is a Torah. So the answer is no. You're right. You, you don't have to teach him more than Chumash. Yaitza the Chiv of Limit Atayra for your son with teaching Chumash. So, what does it mean that you have to teach him like Zvulam and Don? It's Kizvulam and Don, Veloy Kizvulam and Don. Means in some aspects you have to follow in Zvulam and Don, but in some aspects not. Kizvulam and Don, Shalim do Avi Aviv. Veloy Kizvulam and Don, Diluhasa Mikra Mishnah, Talmud Halachas Vagadis, Viluhacha Miklavad. The Chiddush of Zvulam and Don is not what he was learned, it's who taught him. Meaning, you're not obligated to teach your child Torah more than Chumash. Chumash Yaitza. So why are we bringing down Zvulam and Don, who was taught everything? The answer is Zvulam and Don was taught by his grandfather. And you see from this Gemara that the Chiv of Talmud Torah is not just father to son, it's grandfather to grandchild. Meaning, if the grandfather sees that the child is not, his son is not teaching his grandchild Torah, your mechuyiv mitzad v'lamadatem b'neichem, b'neichem includes your grandchild. That's the Chiddush of Zvulam and Don. That there's a Chiv of Limerat Torah from a grandfather to a grandchild as well. So the Gemara says, is that true? Again, listen, there's obviously a chiv to teach someone Torah who's not being taught, but that's not included in the teaching of Lana Tevenechem. There's some, there's some of the guy, no, no, no one's teaching him, you should teach him Torah. The question is, is this special chiv that a father has to his child, does that extend from a grandfather to a grandchild as well? So the Gemara says, is that true? The Bryce says very clearly, I have to teach my son and not my grandchild. So you tell me I'm a chiv, but this Bryce says not like that. The Pasuk says that you'll teach your sons and your grandsons. So the Brisa feels there's no chiv, but the Pasuk implies that there is. The Brisa responds, What it means is that if you teach your son Torah, you should know in the eyes of Hashem, it's as if you taught your grandchild Torah, because by you teaching your son Torah, he's in turn going to teach his son and his son and his son and his son. So if you teach your son Torah, it's as if you taught Saif Kaladaris. But the Brisa clearly indicates there is no chiv of teaching the grandchild. So we said before, it's like Zavul and that there is. This Brisa says not. So the answer is, it's a machlaikas. So the Gemara says, Shmuel, who said before that Shmuel um, Shita is, that it's kid, uh, like Zavul and Shmuel holds that a grandfather is machoyev to teach his grandchild Torah, is not like that Brisa, you're right. He's like the following Brisa. The Tanya, as the Brisa says, the Matam Oisem has you're obligated to teach your son Torah. How do I know that a grandfather is obligated to teach his grandchild Torah? 
So Shmuel is following this brisa. Vim Kane. Now, if it's so that there's an obligation to teach the grandchild, Matam Lerb Benechem, then why does it say Benechem? Benechem implies sons. It should say Bene Benechem. The answer is Benechem Velo Bene Sechem. Benechem is what we had yesterday. It's to say sons and not daughters. But the point is, it's a machlekes tanoim whether there's an obligation of limit Torah on your grandchild. If your son is obviously, you know, I, I'm assuming if your son is fulfilling the mitzvah fully, I, I don't know what you have to do more than that, but the point is, is there a chiv from the grandfather to step in? That's the shot. I'm Rabbi Shuban Levi. Call Malamid as Ben Benoy Torah. Anyone who teaches his grandson Torah, Malav Akasa Kilakib Maharsinai. What you're doing, it's uh, the Torah t- that you're giving over, that, that Messiah, it's as if the child is being taught by Harsinai. Because the Pasuk says, teach your grandchild Torah. And the next Pasuk is, the day that you started by Harsinai. So you see that teaching your grandchild Torah, in the eyes of Hashem, it's as if the Torah is being transmitted from Aisha Avinu to Klal Yisrael. What do you mean, what's the message? What, what's the grandfather from the Why? I don't know. I don't know. Point is, there's a certain level of Messiah that's being transmitted from the grandfather to the grandchild, the same way that was transmitted from Kaddish Baruch Hu to Moshe to Yeshua, as opposed to just Stam Limitator. The Gemara says, Interesting thing that he sees. Caesar Shuban Levi run out of his house with a sheet on his head. They had a special hat, like a turban that they would wear. And Rabbi Shubin Levi couldn't find it, so he just put anything on his head. He put like, you know, like a, like a paper bag or something on his head so that he could quickly take this child to yeshiva. He needed to, the bus, you know, he's, the bus is out there. He's got to run. He didn't have time to put on his special turban hat, so he just grabbed anything. So Amr Leh, Sir Rabbi Rabbi says to him, Michael, why are you running? Like, well, what's, the, what's the rush? So Amr Leh, Meaning that this drasha that we said that if you teach your grandchild Torah, it's much like Harsinai. So he said, my grandchild is ready to learn Torah. I'm not going to wait to get my hat on. Meaning, you know, got to go. After seeing that of how important every moment of teaching a young child Torah was, Rechibarabba would not eat umtza. Umtza was some sort of breakfast. Until he, until he, uh, he learned Chumash with his grandchild. He refused to eat because, you know, he didn't want to take care of his own needs before he taught his grandchild. Similarly, Rabbi Ravuna would not eat umtza until he would uh, bring his, his grandchild to yeshiva. What does it mean, and you teach them vishinantem, which means to teach them, like, very well. It's... It's it's interesting of how these drushes can work. At um, I don't know. You could change the word. You shouldn't read it as vishinantem to vishilashtem. Again, I, I, sometimes how drushes work about how not, it's not just letters being interchangeable. It's completely changing the word. So don't read it as vishinantem, which is to teach, but vishilashtem. You should triple. You should triple Torah. This is a very very famous gemara. What does it mean? A person should divide his life into three parts. Shlish Mikra, a third Tanakh, Shlish Mishnah, a third Mishnais, the Shlish Talmud, and a third Gemara. That's a famous thing that um, 
the Taisa says that we fulfill this by learning Gemara. It's like yeshivas don't learn anything. They don't, I'm saying they don't learn Tanakh and Mishnah. They just learn Gemara. So you can say, what about this Gemara? So Rabbi Tam says, Gemara has everything in it. That's like a famous Sach that, like, a, as a Pasuk in Chumash, where do you know it? It's a Gemara and it's Gemara Brachas. Right? So it's like, you know, so, that, that's, uh, so the, the, that's the keem of this. Now, the simple way to read it is you split up a third of your life Chumash, a third of your life Mishnah, a third of your life Gemara. Now, the question is obviously, how do you know how long you're going to live? You don't know. It's like, if you know 120, then it's easy 40, 40, 40. But how do you know you, how, long, how long you're going to live? So the Gemara says, how long, how long, how do you know how long you're going to live for? Rather means days. So Rashi says it means split up each the week as follows. Sunday, Monday, Chumash. Tuesday, Wednesday, Mishnayis. Th- Thursday, Friday, Gemara. And Shabbos, Chazer. It's a beautiful way to live your life. The problem is Tyson says the same problem. The problem is how, don't, how do you know you're going to live the whole week? So Tyson says it means split up your day. Meaning your day should be a third Chumash, a third Mish, a third Gemara. And how do you know? That's that's a... Uh, now the Gemara says like this: The early Tanoim were called Seifrim. Why were they called Seifrim? Count. Because they would count all the letters in the Torah, and they would be able to tell you which letter is like the middle point. Vav de The word Gachon in Shmini, the Vav in the middle, which is a big Vav, is It's the halfway point of the letters of the Sefer Darish Darash. The word Darish Darash is Chetzin Shel Tevis. It's the, it's the, Vav is the middle letter, Darish Darish is the middle word, his Galach is the middle Pasuk. Okay. Yechasen Muchazir Viyar, Ayin Diyar, Chatsen Shaltehillim. The word Ayin of the Pasuk, Chazir Miyar, is the halfway point of Tehillim. Purachim Chabaravan, in letters. Purachim Chabaravan. I'm sorry, in words. And Purachim Chabaravan is Chazir the Pasukim, is the halfway point of Pasukim in, in Tehillim. Okay. So the Kamaris Kash is like this. Boy of Yosef. Vav de Gochen, Mahagisa, Mahagisa. The Gemara assumes that um, the the, right, the the middle word, the middle letter of the Torah is the Vav of Gachon. The Gemara assumes that the Torah has an equal amount of words. So the middle letter is not middle. It's either the last letter of the first half or the second le- the, the first letter of the second half. You understand what I'm saying? Meaning it's not like if there are 30 letters... If there are 30 letters, the, there is no middle. The number 15 is so part of the first half. If there's 31, then there's 15, 15, and one in the middle. The Vav of Gachon, the Gemara understands, is that it's a part of a half. It's either the last letter of the first half of the Torah or the first letter of the second half of the Torah. The question is, which one? So the Gemara says... You can't count? Oh, so the Gemara says, No, first of all, you count them. No, no, but yes, the Gemara is the Gemara's response. Amrle, Nasi, Sefer just count the Sefer Torah. What are you asking, Kashas? Take out a Sefer Torah, count the letters, and figure it out. There was a similar question they once asked Rabbi Khana and he took out a sefer and counted. So count the sefer. The problem is, it's a very interesting thing. There's a shagasari based on this gemara. I'll tell you a second. The gemara says, "Amar lehu inu Our sefer Torah are not as accurate as they used to be because some letters, some words are meant to be written with a yud, without a yud, with a vav, without a vav. We don't have them anymore. Not as bekiim, and therefore I can't count up letters because I don't know if they have letters. Now the problem is, you read this gemara. Kind of sounds like uh, our Sifra Torah are not 100% kosher. And the Shagasariye, Taka writes, it's in the last Minchas Chinuch, in the end of Minchas uh, Chinuch, that he says that he holds, right, this is Parsha, Atta Kislecham Sashirazai, that there's a mitzvah to write a Sifra Torah, it's a big chash of a mitzvah. Shagasariye says, you don't make a, why don't you make a bracha when you have Kisiva Sifra Torah? It's a very famous shadow, why don't you have a bracha when you write a Sifra Torah? So Shagasariye says, because who, who says our Sifra Torah are kosher? Again, it's a big tumult, again, it's a pelagodal, 
Pashtus, but he quotes it from this Gemara. The answer is that all the, what, the, the way the Minchas Chinuch explains this Gemara, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't checked on it in a while, the Minchas Chinuch explains the Gemara, it doesn't mean, it, it means that we might be off in letters, but not letters that will actually dictate the, the meaning of the words and not letters that would actually dictate whether the Sefer is kosher. Okay, I don't know. Fighter. But you look into it. So that's, one reason is, I think is another reason that any, uh, any, uh, any mitzvah that that uh, that's bechiras adam that you don't make a bracha on. I don't know. There's there's a there's a, there's a reason. The minchas is a holy reason. I just remember the shagasari is the reason. Is only I didn't think I was gonna. I didn't look it up. The shagasari is the reason that comes to mind. But there is a. There, but I don't know if that applies over here. There's like a, why don't you make a, a bracha when you make get married? The answer is anytime it's up or it gives tzedakah. He says anytime it's up to someone else to do complete it. it, it meaning anytime it's it's not within your hands to complete it fully. So, but Sefer you should be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. The uh, Shagasari is the, the reason that comes to mind. I could check it up afterwards. Bayer of Yosef. Vizgalach, which we said is the middle point of the Sefer in words. Mahagis, Mahagis. The same question. Is it the first, you know? I'm, I'm sorry, it's the middle Pasuk. It's the middle Pasuk. So, I'm really Psukimi I understand before you couldn't count the letters because our letters are off, but Psukim, we should be able to know. He says, no. Even Psukim, you could be off. I actually think Psukim would be, very easily be off. Because Ravacha Barada once said, That Pasuk in Eretz Yisrael, they split up into three Psukim. So even the Psukim, we don't, we, we're not 100% accurate, so we wouldn't be able to count. Okay, Tanar How many letters are there in the Sefer Torah? How many psukim in the Sefer Torah? Chamesh is alafim ushmoyne meos ushmoyne ushmoyne psukim. How you pask psukim Sefer Torah? There are five thousand eight hundred eighty-eight psukim in the Torah. Yes, of Tehillim Shmoyne. Shmoyne has eight more. Tehillim has eight more psukim than the Sefer Torah entirely. Chasim and Divrei Yom Shmoyne. Divrei Yom is eight less. Okay. Tanarabon vishinantem vishinantem means to learn Torah, but vishinah means to be sharp. Means the Torah has to be sharp in your mouth. To the point that if someone asks you a shayla, don't hesitate and don't be. Oh, I'm not sure. You got to. You got to know. It's got to be sharp. You have to be able to answer right away. Go to the next page. The pasuk says, "Say to Chachma, you're my sister." And the next and the pasuk says, "Kesharim al zbeisecha, kasevam luchli becha." Tie them onto your fingers and write them on your hearts. Meaning they got to be right away on your fingertips. Other psukim that imply this, "Vaimer kechitzim biagibar kemenei hanurim," like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So the children learning Torah, it's got to be like an arrow, sharp, very quick. Vaimer chitzigibar shinunim, the sharp arrows of a warrior. Another pasuk, "Vaimer chitzecha shinunim amtachtecha yipaylu." Vaimer asher yagev asher malei esishpasim hem leivoshu ki dabris evecha b'shar. The pasuk then says. Um, Choshev uh, is the person who, who fills his arrows with them. He's not going to be embarrassed when they're talking at the gates. These are all something that, that compare Torah to being like arrows, very quick and sh- sharp. You have to be able to answer right away. Okay. Now that we mentioned this Pasuk, let's explain the end of the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that the Torah is supposed to be like an arrow, and it's describing enemies at the gate. What does enemies at the gate do with Torah? 
מי אס אוהבה בשער? אמר חייה ברבה, אפילו אב ובנוי, הרב ותלמידה שעסקים בתורה בשער אחד. You can have a father and son, or a rabbi and talmud learning Torah by the gate. נאסם אוהבים זה בזה, when they argue, it looks like they're enemies of each other. But the truth is, אין המזוזם יש שם עד שנאסם אוהבים זה זה. Before they leave, they always love each other. Meaning, even when you see sometimes רבנם argue, in like the heat of the battle, it's not, it's never, it shouldn't be personal. It's just, you know, trying to get down to that. But they leave, they leave, as French. Now, it's referring to a war that took place by the Yamsuf, but there'll be love at the end. There'll always be love at the end. Okay? The very famous Gemara is Tanur Abana Visamtem. Visamtem means you should place the Torah on your heart. What is it? Visamtem means to place, but it'll also be read Visamtem Samtom. Tam means perfect, Sam means like a medicine, a perfect elixir, a perfect medicine. Nimshul Torah kesamachayim, see, Torah is like an elixir, it's like a medicine. Mashal adam shehikas benoi maka gedoyla, the analogy goes to a, a, a man who hit his son, <laughs> he punched him really, really hard. It's interesting, that's how we're starting it off. V'enich le'iritya al makasai, and he put like a, an antidote on the wound. He said, my son, as long as you have this compress on your wound, eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want, you could shower in hot and cold water, you'll be fine. But if you remove this, this antidote, you'll get boils and it'll be bad. Meaning he hit him and then he gave him the antidote. So the who hit us with the giving the Yitzhahara, and then he said, listen, this is the answer. Torah is the answer. If you if you have Torah, you could eat, you could drink, you could be a very healthy, normal person. Without Torah, it's no no good. The Gemara says, "Kacha Kadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael Benai, my sons, Baras Yitzhahara, I created Yitzhahara. That's the punch. Ubras Leiteret Tavlin, but I made the Torah as the antidote." If you involve yourself in limit then you'll be protected from the Yitzharash. If you correct yourself, you'll be successful. But if you stop learning Torah, you're going to fall into his hands. That sin rests at the door, meaning you open up the door, the sin's right there. And more than that, the Yitzhara will. The Yitzhar will sort of focus on you because he'll see his weakness. That's um, you'll become his desire. But if you want, your Yitzhar is stronger. As long as you have Torah with you, this is like this was my high school. Like this daf was like this is like every vad. Yitzhahara is terrible. He's called Yitzhahara. His creator called him Ra. Meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu describes him as being like a punch. Like he describes him as being evil. Hashem describes the Yitzhahara as being Ra. So it just shows you how, how, uh, how negative and how far he's willing to take you. The Yitzhahara will, will start new every day. Meaning he does not get tired. Every day he will start new by making you not want to serve Hashem. Every day the Yitzhara is going to try to take you out of the world. And if not for Hashem, you will not be successful. Hashem will not leave you. Meaning, the point is, 
that a Jew has to daven for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help him. If Hashem helps, he'll be fine. If not, it'll be very, very difficult. Taneber Avishmael, Benai, my son, in Pagabach Menuvalzeh, if you uh, find yourself dealing with the Yetzirah, Mashcheil Beis Medrash, go to the Beis Medrash. Now what this means is very simple. This is not just like, like learn, you know, like uh, this is the Eitzah, the Rebbe used to talk about this a lot, the only real Eitzah, especially for when he's describing the Eitzah, they're talking about Pashtas, they're talking about Taivas, the Pashtas are talking about women. The only real solution for that, because there's really no outlet, for, especially when someone is younger, like a, you know, uh, like a teenager, there's really no outlet. The only real Eitzah is your mind, if your mind is occupied with other things. That, that's the real thing. So the, 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 the Gemara is saying, go to the base matters, meaning use your mind for positive things, and that's the only real Eitzah. If you focus on it too much, it's not, there's nothing much to do. So go to the base matters, meaning use your mind for Torah. Occupy your mind. If the if the Yitzhara is like a stone, Nimuach, it'll dissolve. In Barzal, even if he's strong like iron, mispoits it, it'll shatter. Because the Torah has that ability, It's like a hammer that shatters from the rock. Right? Water dissolves rocks. So you see the Pasuk is describing the Yitzhara as being destroyed. Kepeta infutisela, like shattering iron and like breaking a rock. Okay, so we said in the Mishnah, one of the back to the Mishnah, the obligation that a father has is he has to marry off his son. Lasia Ishai, Shenet Minolan. How do I know this? Dechsev kichu noshim vaylidu banim ubanis. The pasuk says you should get married, have children. Uchulavneicham noshim and esbeseicham tenulan noshim. Take wives for your sons and take husbands for your daughters. There you go. So the pasuk clearly states the obligation. Now the Gemara says like this: Back then, sons would get married. It was purely it was arranged, and it was just money. So it's very simple. So you have a son, so you marry off. Okay, that's easy. But the daughter, marrying off the daughter, is not up to you. You gotta find that. That's how could you obligate the father to marry off his daughter? That's much more difficult. The Gemara says. Uh, it's not in your hands. The answer is make sure you have a good dowry. That was back then. That's all you had to do. You have a good dowry. So, so yeah, you can't pick a spouse, but you could make a, a dowry, and that would be uh, that would be it. The next obligation that a father has is lamdi umnus, is to teach the son a craft. Now, it's clear from the Gemara craft. I mean, craft specifically. Uh, we, we would look at it as as a job. Craft was a craft, like plumber, you know, blacksmith, like old school craft. The Gemara is going to describe emayoitze by teaching him business. You know, like I I teach him to be a, to sell real estate. <laughs> Does that do anything? Because when you have a craft conceptually, you, you're always you're if if, you, if if you're an electrician, electricity's not going anywhere. You could you'll always have what to do. If, if you teach him to sell real estate or to sell diamonds, whatever it is, or any, any sales, it's a very nice thing, it, but you could also, he could also not have any money. So the question is, am I yoitz in my obligation for teaching him a craft if I teach him to go into sales? So the Gemara says like this, Minolan, how do I know that I'm obligated to teach my son a craft? The Pasuk says, see life with the woman that you love. Now life implies a livelihood. So the Pasuk is comparing life with livelihood to being married meaning the word wife in this pasuk the pasuk is comparing life which is a job to wife now wife could either be a physical wife or tyra either way the father's obligated 
The father is obligated to teach his son Torah, and he's obligated to marry off his son. So wife is a chiv of the father. So if the person compares life, which is derech eretz, which is parnasa, the pasuk is equating the two. So just like a father is obligated to teach his son Torah, or to marry off his son, so too he's obligated to give his, to teach his son a craft. Well, I don't Life in the pasuk is always derech Life is like the ability to have money. So therefore, the Gemara would say that teaching real estate is not. Well, I don't say that. I'm just saying you got to get him a job. What the job is, I didn't get into. I'm just saying life means you have to make sure that he has some source of income. Chayim means that he has to be able to live. You can't just have it that. You know, you taught him Torah, and then after six years old, you say, okay, you're on your own. You have to make sure that he has a life. That life meaning he has some sort of income. Now, what that is, now we're going to see it. And he certainly has to support his wife. Correct. expensive. Correct. So the Gemara says like this. Now, before we get into what type of craft, the Gemara then said that there's an additional opinion that holds you obligated to teach him how to swim. The Gemara says, You're obligated to teach him to swim. So the Gemara says, Why... Why my time? What's the reason you have to teach him to swim? Because in addition to making sure that he has a livelihood, you also have to make sure that he can he's not gonna die. So the Gemara says, review the Oimer. Now review this says. If you don't teach him a job, a craft, Malamde Listis, you're teaching him to be a thief. Listis I'm teaching him to be a thief. I didn't have him to be a thief. Now so the Tanakama says you have to teach him how to have a craft. And then review the adds, if you don't teach him to be a craft, you teach him to be a thief. What is review the adding besides for just like being like a little more sharp? The answer is my binayu. iska. The difference is if I teach him to sell, to teach him to, to go into sales. Rashi says, See, the Tanakama says the source is Chaim. Chaim just means make sure he has an income. If you teach him to go into real estate, okay, you're yoy to the obligation. Ravida says no, umnis. You have to make sure that he has a steady income because if you don't, he's going to start stealing from people. Therefore, teaching him to go into you know, selling diamonds, while it's a very nice thing, what happens if there's three months and no one's buying? So you, you know, it's obligation. You have to teach him a craft. So according to the Tanakama, any form of job would be enough. According to Yehuda, it has to be some sort of actual craft to fulfill the obligation. All right, let's just finish up the daf. So we, we said this before, that anything that, um, any mitzvah of the avala ben, both the husband and, uh, both men and women are obligated. Now what does this mean? This could either mean an obligation a father has for the son. The problem is a wife, the mother, is not obligated. So I, when I read the Mishnah, I told you what it means is kivraveim. It means the obligations the son has for the father, and both men and women are obligated because girls are also obligated in kivraveim. So that's the Gemara speaks about the possibilities. So let's go with the first option. It means any obligation a father has for the son, meaning these are the obligations of teaching your son Torah, pidin aben, a job, swimming. The problem is if that's what it means, it says women are obligated. That means the mom is obligated. I thought we just had a full daf proving that women are not obligated. So what does it mean? So rather the Gemara says, You know what it means? It means any obligation that the son has for a father, the daughter is obligated. Meaning kivod of aim. The same way you're obligated in Kivar of Aim, your sister is also obligated in Kivar of Aim. Okay? Tanino Hadatanabar, the truth is we have a Bryce that clearly states that Kivar of Aim applies to women as well. Ish, Ain Liela Ish, 
How do I know that women are also They shall fear All your children, both men and women, shall fear you. Now, So, oh, so if applies to women, to women as well, why does it always say ish Why do you say ish? Right? If you're telling me it applies to women also, why mention ish? The answer is ish What it means is like this. Women are obligated in Kibbutz but practically, they're not going to be practically as obligated. I'll tell you why. A man is always obligated in Kibbutz There's nothing that could avoid it. But a woman, once she gets married, her husband's responsibilities override her parents. Meaning, I'll give you an example. Let's say a woman is married, and the parents say, I'd like you to come for Shabbos. And the husband says, I'm not going for Shabbos. Yeah. So what's the halacha? You listen to the husband. Now, whether that's a healthy thing or not, that's, that's funny. There's a shita from Ramosha. It's an interesting shita from Ramosha. Ramosha has a shita that he says that he proves that the chiv of Havelus of 12 months, right? right? Why is it that you mourn for 12 months when you have a parent? It's not because the, the loss is more painful, because if, God forbid, someone loses a child, there's only Havelus for one month. And it's much more painful to lose a child than to lose a parent. So why is it that there's Havelus for 12 months? So Ramesha proves it's kiv aveim. It's a kiv aveim. It's not to mourn, it's not, it takes that long to get over it. It's kiv aveim that HaKadosh Baruch wants. For kiv aveim, you, you don't move on for a year. Okay, fine, sure. So, so Ramesha says, if it's mitzad kivravim, that means that if a woman loses her father, yeah, so she can't go to weddings for a month, a year, chasana, she can't go to dinners, all these things, she can't bar mitzvahs, right? she can't go to parties for a year because kivravim, because avayim is kivravim. But let's say her husband wants her to go to weddings. So she's like, I can't go because I'm avayim. So the husband's like, well, I'm not going alone, you're coming with me. So Ramesha says, technically, she would be obligated to go even though she's in a veil. But Ramesha says he's not going to pass in this way because A, he hasn't seen this inside anywhere else. And B, it's incredibly unhealthy for a husband to force his wife to go during Avelos to a chasana. So Ramesha says because it's unhealthy, I'm not going to tell you to do this. But from a purely technical standpoint, so you see from this that a woman's obligation to Kivavim, while it is intact, she practically is not always going to be able to do it because she has a husband who might override it. So that's why it says ish, not to say that women are exempt, it's just saying practically, in ish will always be mechoyv and kivarev. A woman depends on the circumstance. And the Gemara says, if a woman gets divorced, meaning once a woman gets divorced, then, then there's no excuse. Then she's mamish like a man in that regard because she has no husband to stop her from doing kibravim. Okay, just to finish up the daf, It says you're supposed to honor your parents. And it says honor Hashem. So you see the Pasuk compares honoring parents to honoring Hashem. The Pasuk compares the two, meaning that if you honor the parents, it's in the eyes, it's like honoring Hashem. The Gemara similarly says, Nehmer ish im avav tero. It says you're supposed to fear your parents. Venemer es Hashem lekechatira. You're supposed to fear God. Hishva kasev mirav ve'em lomer mamakim. The pasuk compares the two again. Fearing your parents is like fearing Hashem. And the last one is Nehmer mekal av ve'ima yumas. The pasuk says that if you curse your parents, you go to die. Venemer ish ish ki kal lekav. And says the Pasuk also says, God forbid, if someone curses Hashem. So you see, there's a punishment of cursing both. The Pasuk compares cursing the parents to cursing Kaddish Baruch Hu. Now, the only thing they're not comparable, it's a weird Gemara, that you can't hit Hashem. That's the one thing you can't do. You can hit your parents. There's no hitting God. Okay. Okay. And the Gemara says it makes sense that the Pasuk would always compare parents to Hashem. Because they're all Shutvim. The parents... The parents give birth physically, and God gives a soul. 
So there's three shutfim in a person. Tan Rabbanon, Shloisha Shutfim in Ba'adam. There are three partners in creating a person. Hakadish Baruch Avivimai. A parents and Hashem, right? The parents physically give the DNA and Hashem gives the soul. If you honor your parents, Hashem says, it's as if you're living amongst me and you honor me as well. All right, we'll start to pick it up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to the bris.